I'm very grateful to be here with you. It is always a highlight of my year to come to Anand Prakash Ashram. Simply because Sriman Parampuja Vishwaketu Ji Yogi is always so hospitable and kind and so spontaneously affectionate to us. And the goodness of Vishwaketuji Maharaj's heart is what has manifested here in this ashram. And I'm always so happy to meet all of the fortunate students that come here on the banks of Holy River Ganga. Thank you very much. Anand Prakash means the divine revelation of ecstatic happiness. The Acharyas or great spiritual teachers have explained different types of happiness. Two words are Sukha and Ananda. Generally, the concept of Sukha, which means happiness, is the other half of another word, Dukkha, which means misery. Sukha Dukkha Da. <laughs> that means happiness and distress. They are two parts of the same principle of duality. Because the entire material creation is built on the principle of duality. There's light and there's dark. There's happiness and distress. Honor and dishonor. Pleasure, pain. Success, failure. Victory, defeat. Health, disease. Birth, death. And in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna describes this world as Dukalayam. Ashashvatam. Dukalaya means a place where inevitably there is suffering. Why is that? Because the Atma, the living force within us, is Sat, which means we are eternal. Chit, we are full of divine knowledge and ananda, we're naturally blissful. And in the school of bhakti, we understand that the source of that blissful nature is in experiencing the infinite love of Krishna, or God, and in loving God. And when that love awakens within our heart, it naturally realizes that every living being is a part of God. 
everything that is in existence is a gift of God. And therefore there can only be love radiating from our souls when there is love for God. And it is within us. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu used to sing a beautiful song when he would wake up in the morning and go through the village. Jeev Jago, Jeev Jago, Goda Chandra Bole, Kota Nidra Jayomaya, Pisachira Kole. means wake up, souls, wake up. You're sleeping in this illusion. And in this illusion, we're constantly in the presence of these dualities. Because every pleasure in this world is very limited in quality and in quantity, and it has an end. Eventually it's dukkalayam, it's distressed. We love someone in this world, but we know they're going to die. or else we're going to die. <laughs> and we're both going to die. <laughs> and our, all our friends are going to die. And just for some consolation, all our enemies are going to die too. <laughs> By the power of time, the Himalayas are going to become powder, and the oceans, the Pacific, the Atlantic, the Arabian Sea, the Indian Ocean, they're all going to dry up into nothing. And the sun is going to burn out. That's the power of time. Everything is under the influence of kala, or time. Therefore, we can't hold on to anything. And it's human nature that, that when we find something that gives us some happiness, some pleasure, we become attached to it. And we want to hold on to it. But we can't hold on to anything. Did you ever try to hold on to time? I can hold on to this clock. And even if I take the battery out, <laughs> I'm still going to get old. <laughs> and the sun's still going to rise and set and rise and set. We can't stop time. It's so subtle. You can't see it. You can't taste it. You can't touch it. You can't hear it. You can't feel it. But it's so powerful that everything within mortal creation is under its control. Armies cannot subdue time. Even in India, you can't bribe time. <laughs> It's about the only thing in India you can't bribe. <laughs> Traditionally, things are changing, hopefully. <clears throat> even the greatest scientists, even the greatest scholars, they cannot stop time for even a moment. Therefore, everything is in this temporary state. 
I remember when I was a little boy, there was one famous movie actress. I'm not going to say her name out of respect. <laughs> but she was really beautiful, and I was just a little boy, and I didn't really know what all this romance was, but I thought, but she's really beautiful. <laughs> but later on, I became a Swami and all of that. <laughs> And I just happened to see in a newspaper that that same person several times tried to commit suicide and was living in seclusion because she, she was so much getting pleasure out of being beautiful. So many people would see her with her beauty and be attracted. But now she was old and nobody cared about her beauty anymore and she didn't want people to see her like that. And she did surgeries and she had all kinds of cosmetics but there was nothing she could do. Beauty's only skin deep. And wealth there's a saying in India that at the cremation ground, before they burn you, they put a white sheet on you. And it's explained that whether you're living in a little villager or whether you're a Kurorpati, a billionaire, there are no pockets in the clothes they put you on, and they put on you in the cremation ground. No pockets. That's actually a very philosophical truth. You can't take anything with you. You can't take your PhDs. You can't take your platinum records. <laughs> you cannot take your, your popularity or your skills. Because everything is under the influence of the ever-changing time. Time is like the Ganga. It's always flowing. <laughs> but you can't put a dam on it. On the surface of Mother Ganga, there's so many ripples and so many swirlings and so many different things that are floating around. Yes? On a rainy day, it's going like... On a, on a sunny day, it's just flowing. And in the winter, when the glaciers are... It's very, very crystal clear and blue water. And later on, it starts getting muddy because things start melting in it and people start throwing. The surface of the Ganga is always changing. But the underlying current is always constant. So the current of truth never changes. But in this physical world, everything is subjected to dualities. So the degree we find we're seeking pleasure in these temporary things, it's just a matter of time till there's pain. That is suki duki. But there's a beautiful song. Grihetako vanetako 
सदाहरी बोले ताको सुके तुके बोले ना को वरने हरि नाम करो रे गाय गोडमाधुस्वरे This is the message of the Lord whether you're a family person with a husband or with a wife with children taking care of parents grandparents having a job paying a mortgage paying taxes <laughs> a working person or whether you're a yogi living in the himalayan caves or whether you're a swami traveling around I was speaking this morning that usually every year I'm invited to HSBC Bank to give a lecture at their headquarters in London and I'm always fascinated by that because there's usually about 900 bankers sitting there and i haven't had a checking account or a bank account or signed a check since 1969 and when i told them that they looked at me like i was an alien from outer space <laughs> but whether we're a swami just traveling around or whether we're millionaires or billionaires or family people it doesn't if we can connect to that spiritual essence of who we actually are a part of god the atma if we make that spiritual connection and we taste the sweetness of the ananda prakash of the bliss of the love of god and of loving god then we become completely transcendental to sukha dukha da to all the happiness and distress of this world to a person who experiences this this higher realization the pleasures and the pains of this world are not that much different in fact just near the bank of mother ganga a little downstream in kunti devi the mother of the pandavas who went through so many difficulties in her life she offered a prayer vipara shantu tashashvatatra tatra jagat guru she said krishna let challenges calamities and difficulties come again and again because in those challenges i have no one else to turn to except you the pleasures of this world can sometimes make us very complacent and distracted and the pains could do that too so rather than being attached to pleasure or pain in this wonderful opportunity we have we could become attached to 
Ananda Prakash, to the revelation of ecstasy, of love. And Bhaktivinoda Thakur explains this chanting of God's names, this kirtan, Harinam Korore, actually tunes us into that ananda, to the ecstasy, to the love of the soul. Krishna means all attractive. When we become attracted to the all attractive, then our love awakens. And the natural um, expression of that yoga, when we actually reconnect to ourself, is our greatest, most meaningful purpose in life is to be instruments of compassion, to be instruments of grace, to help uplift other people. That should be the real joy of life. Unfortunately, in this world, because people are so much asleep to their true nature, they're thinking by acquiring more and more things, or by getting more power, more fame, by somehow or other feeding our ego to think I'm superior to others and proving it, and in the process usually causing so much pain, we think that's going to make us happy. There's a traditional analogy. That type of happiness is like if you come to the Ganga, there used to be a way that, that the government would punish people. They would take them by the hair and bring them to the river and push their head down and keep it down underwater. Every breath is so precious. Since I began this talk, how many times do you think you inhaled and exhaled? But we take it for granted so much, we don't even think about it. But if you're underwater for about a minute, <laughs> and they're holding you down there, you would give everything you have for a breath. Sometimes we don't appreciate something until we don't have it. It's like that with our relationships, too. Oftentimes we don't appreciate people until they're dead. <laughs> oh, I should have done this and I should have done that. I... What to speak of breathing? There's a famous saying that Youth is wasted on the young. When we're young and we can get so much done and we have so much energy, usually we waste it because we don't understand the value of it. And then when we're old and it's too late, we think, if only I was young again, I would do this and that. And so this person's under the water. And he's really, really just struggling, struggling, struggling. And then they put his head up. And, 
And it's, it, do you know how f- good that feels when you breathe? And you, could, you get to take a few breaths and then put underwater again. So, sukha dukkata, happiness and distress. There's the pleasure of breathing and the stress of being put underwater. There's something more in life than that. There's the atato brahma jigyasa. There's the opportunity for ananda, for real happiness. And when we connect to that real happiness within ourselves, we have something really wonderful and valuable to share with the world. And that's what yoga really is meant for. Yoga means to reconnect, to harmonize our body, our mind, with the true self, the soul. And then to harmonize the soul with the supreme soul or the will of God. And when that harmony is made for ourselves, then we naturally live in harmony with our environment, with nature. Because we see its, its connection to ourself. We see everything as God's grace. And we reciprocate. And we live in a spirit of seva, a spirit of compassion. The science of yoga is meant to bring us to that awakening. And then we have something so beautiful, so wonderful to give. There was, how many of you have read or heard the story of Mahabharata? Please raise your hand. Well, I'm going to just tell a, a little story. <laughs> the Pandavas were the rightful kings, Yudhisthira, the sons of Kunti. And their cousin brother, Duryodhana, he was so envious of them. He wanted the kingdom for himself. And everyone loved the Pandavas, and no one liked him so much because he was such an envious person. He was always plotting and scheming and somehow or other. And his idea is by putting them down, he'll put himself up. But the more he put them down, the more people didn't like him, and they couldn't tolerate that people liked them instead of him. So ultimately, he was doing all these terrible things of making plans and conspiracies to kill the Pandavas. And his uncle, Vidura, was always trying to convince him and his father, Dhritarashtra, to be fair to the Pandavas. 
But Dhritarashtra was so much influenced by his son. He knew his brother, Vidura, was saintly and was giving him good information. But every time he tried to follow what Vidura would say, Duryodhana would become really upset, his son. He said, unless you do what I want, I am going to commit suicide. And it's your fault. Father was attached to him. So he always sided with Duryodhana, his son. And he was doing atrocities. And one time Vidura was just so so compassionate. He was telling his brother, Dhritarashtra, your son is envy personified. If you follow him, everything's going to be ruined. Yudhisthira and the Pandavas are pious people. Why are you torturing them? Why are you cheating them? And he said it in the presence of Duryodhana. Duryodhana was so angry. He said to Vidura, the most nasty words to insult him. I'm not going to go into details because it will take a really long time. (laughs) But you just, I mean, Duryodhana started insulting Vidura's mother for the caste that she was born in. He called her a kept maidservant, and you are the son of such a woman. And this is his own nephew speaking. It describes in the Bhagavad Purana that Duryodhana was insulting Vidura so terribly that his words were like the sharpest, fiery arrows that were going right into Vidura's heart. And when your own relatives speak that way, in public. And then Duryodhana said that I exile you from this kingdom. You leave this town and I will not allow you to bring anything with you except the breath you breathe. And Duryodhana, because his father was the king, he was, he was meant to give the kingdom to Yudhisthira, but he, wanted, he was keeping it for his own son. He had all the military. So literally, Vidura, who had a wife and had a home and had a family, he just had to immediately leave and take nothing with him. He was insulted, he was humiliated, and he was literally impoverished. But as he was leaving, there was sadness in his heart for his brother because he was being so misled. And the biggest sadness even though Vidura was the most loving, 
supportive brother anybody could ever be. Dhritarashtra, his brother, didn't say a word to defend him. He let his son go on insulting him and exile his own brother. Vidura left. He was totally betrayed. And as all of us know in this world, or many of us, one of the greatest, most traumatic pangs of the heart is when we are betrayed by someone we love and trust. I've seen betrayal can bring such deep depression and even disease. He was betrayed. But Vidura was a yogi. As he was walking away, he was thinking, this is the greatest blessing I ever got in my life. I could just go on pilgrimage. I'm free. I'm liberated. <laughs> I'm liberated from all. I tried my best to, to end all these conspiracies of envy and hate. And now I'm free to just travel and wander to holy places and give my whole heart to God and chant his holy names and meditate on him and pray to him. In the Bible it is said, Seek and ye shall find. Knock and the door shall open. So because he was seeking opportunities to serve, to love, he was even in the most traumatic situation, he understood it's a blessing. True wisdom is to transform apparent curses into wonderful blessings just by seeing the opportunity we have in that situation. An unfortunate consciousness is when blessings come and we can't recognize them. Do you know where Vidura went? Here. <laughs> he came to Haridwar, which is just downstream from Rishikesh. And there he met Maitreya Rishi, a great sage. And even though Vidura was a Mahatma, he was a Paramahamsa, he was really a great personality, the nature of a great personality is they want to humble themselves before other great personalities. Some, the nature of the ego is when we get some status, we don't want anyone to be equal to or better than us. But actually enlightened people, they're always looking for more enlightened people because they want to humble themselves before somebody. Jivera Swarupoy Krishna Renitya Das Gopi Bharathur Padakamala Yora Dasa 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 Das So actually Maitreya Rishi was not as advanced as Vidura spiritually 
but he was very advanced. And Vidura just wanted to hear from someone. So he came and sat on the bank of the holy river Ganga, just near Rishikesh and Hadardwar. And there are chapters and chapters in the great scriptures of their discussion together. And while he was on this pilgrimage for many years, completely transcendentally ananda, blissful, <laughs> Kurukshetra happened, Bhagavad Gita was spoken, and Dhritarashtra's, all his children were vanquished. He lost everything. And Yudhisthira was coronated as king, which was his rightful position. Do you know what Vidura did? He went, he left his pilgrimage and went all the way back to Hastinapur because he knew that his brother was really in pain. Everything Vidura warmed him would happen, happened. And Vidura didn't come back and say, I told you so. He forgave him and said, it's not too late. You were abusive, you were materialistic, you were envious, you were violent, you were hateful, even before Krishna. But it's not too late. Come with me. I'll show you how to perfect your life and have liberation. And he took Dhritarashtra to a holy place. And Dhritarashtra was liberated. This is yoga. The power of harmonizing our hearts with truth, with ananda, actually gives us the power to forgive, to enlighten. It is said that a saintly, there's a beautiful verse, Titikshava Karunaka Surada Saravatehanam, Ajata Satrava Santa Sadava Sadhu Bhushanam. What are the qualities of a true yogi or sadhu? It's not whether you have long hair or no hair, it's not whether you wear saffron or robes or even if you have nice suit and tie or evening gown. The true qualities is not just external appearances, it's our character. A true yogi is tatiksha. That means a person who is tolerant and forgiving. Tatikshava karunaka. Karunamaka means merciful. Kind and friendly to everyone. Having no enmity toward anyone. Because even if somebody like Dhritarashtra is bad, we see the disease. And we don't hate the person. 
we feel compassion for that diseased person. Because arrogance and envy and all those crazy things that happens from it, it's only the symptoms of a disease. We deal with it accordingly. And because a person is forgiving and a friend to everyone and is compassionate, merciful, Shanta, person's really peaceful in any situation. If we have a strong spiritual foundation, even when the storms of life come, we remain stable. Our integrity, our dignity, our character, and our peace and our compassion cannot be moved by circumstances because it's coming from something so deep and so real and from a place that is timeless, eternal. That's the nature of the Atma. Everyone is looking for Ananda. It is within us. Yoga awakens it, uncovers it. In Bhakti Yoga, this beautiful chanting is a most powerful, simple, and pleasing way of awakening the love, the love for God that is within us. And as it awakens, we become empowered with compassion because we really have nothing to fear anymore. The self is indestructible. Our greatest pain is to see others, our own brothers and sisters, everyone who is forgetful of that. Rishikesh is a place since time that cannot even be um, since most ancient times people have come specifically to reconnect with their own hearts with their own souls. There's an old saying in India that when a person's about to die, they say, are you going to Badrigashram, Badrinath? Because that was the tradition. Before people die, they would come to the bank of the Ganga and go to the Himalayas to end their lives in a sacred place. People go to Kashi, people go to Vrindavan, to these holy places, to leave their body in this enlightened state of consciousness. But even better than that is to come here when we're young <laughs> and get enlightened now and become, tra become trained as teachers. <laughs> 
and be equipped with knowledge and realization and use our wonderful energy that we have to share this joy with the world. Thank you very much.